In this episode, I sit down with my friend, Dan Hunt. He's the CEO and chairman of the board of Red Hawk Wealth Advisors. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I think you will too. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Bank of Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethering. And you know, as always, I'm excited to have guests on. I'm especially excited today to have my friend Dan Hunt in in the studio with us. Um, So Dan, how are you, sir? Fantastic. Nice right. to be here. I'm glad you're here. We'll get into why you're here. Okay. Okay. Let me, and I don't have Dan's bio in front of me, so I'm not going to do it justice. But uh, actually, Dan and I are friends. We go back to 2008 or nine. Right. So Dan is the uh, really the the brains behind. He created this company, but he's the current CEO and chairman of the board of Red Hawk Wealth Advisors um, out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and so. Plus, he's been in the financial world a long time. You know, he's a rock star and has a band or does something musically because him and the AV Ninja here were geeking out on, you know, uh, amplifiers and guitars, I think. Oh, yeah. All right. Listen, Dan, thanks for being here. How are you, sir? Really good. Real excited to be here and talking to you and love talking guitars with your engineer, too. <laughs> right. All right. So uh, what brings you to Texas? Well, there's there's a couple of things I got to visit some of my good my best advisors. How's that sound? And you might even be one of those. So yeah. yep. that's what that's what drags me out of the headquarters once in a while. And it's my favorite thing in the world to do is to get out where the action's happening and meeting with people that I really like and respect and doing a great thing, you know, with us in partnership. Uh, that's what I like to do. So that's specifically what brought me into your domain. I appreciate that. And for full disclosure, I am an investment advisor representative and the uh, and I personally have assets with uh, Red Hawk Wealth Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm. And he's here to do a compliance review, full disclosure, right? So how'd we do? Did I win anything? <laughs> well, I, I, I brought you some clothes. <laughs> right. um, not that you needed clothes, but you, you did really well. Yeah, thank really you very well. much. And two, so while we're in full disclosure here, I do earn commissions and fees, and I am a capitalist, and I believe in profits. Um, but you are also uh, a client. So I'm a client of your firm and a representative of your firm. Yes. And you're a client of ours. And in in your construct, in your corporate construct, you have, y'all have uh, an insurance arm, right? Correct. And so you're fully aware of the infinite banking concept. Yes, sir. Because you personally practice that. Yeah, I don't know how yes, long. I it's do. been a long time. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's not foreign to you. Nope. Um, so, and generally, you know, we don't, you know, he doesn't listen to the podcast. He will now, but, you know, he doesn't. Other than the, the required amount of compliance, right, that you have to listen to. Um, you, uh, you know, I we don't normally, I don't normally talk about investments in any way. Um, and so this is kind of a new uh, episode, so it'll be full of all the appropriate and proper disclosures and mm-hmm. disclaimers. But uh, I, I just kind of want to, you know, I want people to know who you are and why it matters and what you do. And, you know, and, and I just want to say that legitimately we're friends. We were really, I don't even know where we met or how we met it, somewhere within the industry. And, you know, when you meet people that you like um, and you resonate with, you develop a friendship. And that's yep. What we've done, you've got a fabulous firm, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you're going to put money in the market. You should do so with um, 
the a proper amount of care mm-hmm. and management. Yes. Um, but anyway, that other than, you know, let's expand on that, who you are, what you do. Tell us a little bit about Red Hawk Wealth Advisors. and Sure. Yeah, well, um, and thank you again for having me. Uh, the truth of the matter is we came into this industry through the insurance channel, if you will. Uh, it was a It was a pretty easy way to get in the financial services industry, you know, uh, to be honest, right after the, really it started after the crash in 2001, 2002. Uh, I'd sold my business uh, back then and then kind of looking for things to do. And I've always loved to invest. And I've, I've always had insurance, had a respect for insurance and decided through some friends, you know, who were at a big insurance carrier. They said, you need to look into this. There are some groups getting together of independent you know, advisors, you can control your destiny, you can do things the way you want to do them as it relates to taking care of clients. And so we we just ventured right into it, had nothing to lose. It was just a, you know, great learning experience. And along the way, you know, ran into some opportunities, you know, where uh, larger client opportunities where the insurance part was there for sure. But they also said, look, if you're going to do the insurance, can you also do the investment side? And we really kind of want to go to one place because you're taking us away from one place and we don't want to spread it out all over the place. So uh, that necessitated me to look deep into, if I'm going to get into the securities part of this or the investment advisory part of this service offering, what's the, and I didn't know the word then, but I'll say it now, fiduciarily, what's the most fiduciarily responsible way of doing it um, where we can, we can sort of control our destiny and the client's destiny better versus just selling products. Not, yeah. not into that at all. Um, because I don't, I wouldn't buy those myself. I buy solutions and I buy trust. Like you said earlier, that's a really big deal to me. So we were able to do that. And that's when we first met up is when we were probably just a little state registered uh, entity doing our thing, kind of dipping our toes in the water, helping some clients. And, uh, through meeting folks like you, um, who, you know, we formed a great relationship right off the bat, we decided to expand and, uh, you know, registered with the SEC, went nationwide in that time frame, a pretty difficult time frame. You, you said 2008, nine, right. it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not a great market timer. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but started an RIA and then the market collapses. <laughs> yeah. It's like, mm, my yeah. timing couldn't have been worse. The worst uh, catastrophe. But anyway, uh, we, we actually love telling that story because we were able to protect our clients towards the end where we're, you know, going to cash and doing things that, uh, some taking protective measures. But I'll tell you what, the, the, the best thing, um, that we've done then and have done since, since then is part of the portfolio, if you will, part of the assets that the clients are entrusting us to take care of are in some sort of protective mechanism. So if that's true, then if the other takes a hit once in a while, which you can't protect against all downside capture, but if they take short-term hits, there should be very little pain. And the only reason there would be pain is because the advisor is not doing a good job of communicating Mm. or they don't know, you know, what the true value proposition was going into it. So we spend a whole lot of time and effort helping advisors really understand the value proposition and communicating that to the clients. So we've been through some cycles since then, nothing near as bad, but um, 
the blending of those two ideas, you know, the principal protection idea using a variety of mechanisms, you know, uh, investment insurance vehicles and the blending of a, of a well-managed portfolio to us, it doesn't get, we, you don't have to go further than that. Even if you're a very, very large client, cause you know, uh, what we do works well for just about anyone, really small clients all the way up to high net worth. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I remember, and <clears throat> you know, lots of things have changed for the better, you know, not that things were bad, but you know, uh, constant improvement is a worthy go in a, uh, a valued practice, you know? Um, but I remember early on that even in small portfolios, what was done with options Right. And, and, you know, and I met people that would be household names in the options world, you know, like Thinkorswim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, those were some of the most creative and affordable, smart portfolios for the smaller Monpaw investor, mm-hmm. you know, and that <clears throat> and then the amount of research and data that you brought to the table, you know, is what intrigued me. Um, and so I put capital in and it's still there and I'm pleased. Um, I don't have FOMO. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Right. Um, so the idea that, you know, you could, you could protect some on the downside and of course it could potentially limit on your upside somewhat, but those were, I didn't see anybody else in the financial world, not that they didn't exist, but on a, on a broad basis could bring that, to a smaller top investor. You remember those days? Oh, remember them well. <laughs> remember them well. And, and there, there are others out there, of course. There's others of everything out there. Sure. Uh, I thought a unique way that we approached the problem, you know, was that we would not cause a tug of war between the two ideas. <clears throat> yeah. You know, you got your principal protection idea and you want to participate in the market. You don't want to lose it all. You also don't want to, you know, it's like you you don't want to miss the boat, but you don't want to catch the Titanic, right? So <laughs> right. that's the way I used to look at it and still do. But if you if you blend the two together instead of causing a, a battle between the two, mm-hmm. uh, it's amazing what, what you can do, yeah. what you can do. So the lack of bias that we, we brought in because we didn't know any better. It's just the way we philosophically uh, dealt with the problem has tended to work very well and today is working extremely well. Right. You know. <clears throat> so um, surely I'm not the only advisor in Texas that you're going to go through the files on and all of that, right? Right. <laughs> <There's others. laughs> you're the best one, though. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> how long have you, have, have you practiced personally the infinite mm-hmm. banking concept? How long has that been? <sighs> personally, I've been a client uh, eight years. Let's call it about eight years. So it's 2021. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Um, and then you and your wife, uh, you know, if I could say so. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, tell me, tell me about y'all's experience as much as you will. And I don't want to know anything personal, you know, but, you know, how's that working out for you? Was it because I remember back in the day, <clears throat> um, we, I don't even know how we got onto it. I'm sure I was excited. I'm like, you need to see this people you love and care about, you want to share yeah. with and, I'm quite sure. I said, listen, I got a book you need to read. Nelson Nash's first book, Becoming Your Own Banker, about the infinite banking concept. And you're an outside-of-the-box thinker anyway. So you're not opposed to hearing new ideas. And as a matter of fact, and I told him earlier, and it's true, that you're really too generous with your time, my opinion. All right. But um, 
which, you know, he'll talk to people and listen to them. And sometimes he should spend the time better <laughs> listening to other people. But <clears throat> um, anyway, so about eight years ago, I know you read the book and just kind of tell me, you know, your journey through that or share if you will. Yeah, well, um, it's a it's a great story for us personally because to now today uh, the the viewpoint from others in the family who are involved is completely different than the way it started, and that's when you know you know you made a good decision, you took a real good path, and of course a lot of that's based on faith that you know in you and and the judgments that you helped drive me to because I, I did I understand insurance and things like that yes but not to this extent this took it to a whole as you know I'm not I'm singing to the choir here but it took it to a series of levels of thought that were far different than than I was thinking at first with you know investment or you know money protection strategies and stuff like that so when I read the book I started to just I got FOMO. I'm like, why didn't I do this, you know, years and years ago? Why didn't I start off in this? And then then where it really started to get some uh, interesting traction was when I brought my wife into it because I said, honey, we're doing this together. You know, let's we do everything together like that because it's a big deal. You got to, you know, do these things as a family uh, and also learn through the process of other families who had done this successfully and who are thriving to this very day. And I'm like, I want to be like them. I don't want to be a, a story that is gone. You know, the family ended or the estate ended or the, you know, whatever. I want this to live for generations. So at first, uh, the reception was not good, not because she wasn't open to it. It was because of family members who are smarter than everybody else you know, they tend to be, they know everything for whatever had developed different judgments of their own of just, you know, when they look at a product or a solution by itself without all the knowledge behind it, they will uh, have, they'll pass bad judgment on it, for lack of a better way to say it. And so I read the book to her. I mean, it was, I didn't read it word that's, for word every sweet. page. Oh, it was very sweet. Trust me. In bed every night reading Nelson Astor. <laughs> reading but, about uh, life insurance. <laughs> Oh, you know what I did? Yeah. I went to the best parts. I said, yeah, sure. honey, we could get a car. This, You know, <clears throat> honey, we could do college savings, honey. And and then she started, well, that there's enough goodness in this or lo- enough good value propositions where why don't we try it? You know, let's try it. And then um, that's good. We open up, you know, the contracts and those kind of things. And then, then there's just constant second guessing and questions like a lot of clients and stuff they go through. As I was telling you earlier, she's probably one of my, she is my toughest client I've ever had. <laughs> I uh, like her. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you can pass that test and it's, you know, you're talking, it's emotional. You've got, you know, a lot of things tied up in this. If you can pass the muster there, the confidence level for me, Personally, when another client or someone or an advisor or anyone <clears throat> says, what should I do? If, I, if, if you were me, what would you do? My go-to is what I did. I'm, I'm going to tell you to do exactly and precisely what I did. And nine times out of 10, they do because of the pain and agony that I went through to convince her you know, um, to, to do this. But now, now that we're on the other side of this, and we've we've gotten to see the benefits along the way, uh, and it's just getting better all the time. And we can't wait to get our next 
you know, report. We can't wait, as, as we can talk about if you want, to look at the integrate, integrated nature of it, the way we've integrated it with our other investments. You can, uh, there's no limits. I mean, you can talk about whatever you want, you know, seriously. So, Well, to me, the part of the magic, I mean, there's so many magic bullets inside of this, but part of the magic is if the markets are doing what they're doing, and hopefully everyone listening to this understands that concept. Uh, the markets don't owe you or me anything. Yeah, well put. <laughs> you know, and the prognosticators know nothing. They're going to, you know, you see articles and videos out there saying, uh, we know exactly what's going to happen. This guy predicted the crash of this, that, and the other. Don't they come out of the woodwork after like, a crash later? It's like, I predicted that. Yeah, I've been predicting every year for the last 20 years. <laughs> So, so I don't buy into that, but what I do buy into is if you have a, a balanced asset class sort of lineup, not a, a lot of people say balanced portfolio. I look at it a little deeper than that. It's, it's a balanced asset class where, um, this, this asset class we're talking about here covers, covers enough where the money that's at risk that we're trying to protect. Of course, we're trying to manage, you know, to reduce the downside capture, obviously with our own money and our clients' money. But if it does take a hit temporarily, like in March of 2020, which was the most violent downdraft, quickest uh, I've ever seen, and maybe in history, um, then I don't fret. I don't lose any sleep over it. And this time, nor did who? My wife. And so when best she's client. best now she's the best <laughs> honey. Now, how's that thing doing that we got over there? It's honey hadn't hadn't missed a beat. In fact, we're, you know, getting another report of how much money we made and it didn't feel the market. So that's where it starts to hit home. And of course, there's more of those coming. They have to. It's the market. Sure. But I love the buffering aspect of that among all the other things that it does for us. Uh, and you probably can't tell, but I'm real excited about it. Anyone who gets in front of me and says, what would you do? I'll say, I just, I'll show you what I did do. And you should do the very same thing. Do they, do they raise an eyebrow when you show them? If you actually, do you actually show them what you did? Yes. Do I show them raise what I did. an eyebrow when they start calculating the premium that you pay. <laughs> I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but yeah. Yeah. Some like, what? Yeah. I don't, I have not shown a lot of people the actual amounts, okay. but I have shown a few who are, who are friends, uh, the family who were the, um, the devil's advocates or, you know, the devil's, whatever you want to call it. They, they have seen, uh, the results and they're starting to question more, you know, what is it that you're doing? What kind of, what kind is this, you know, what, what special features and functions is this thing mm. and, or does this thing have? And, you know, I'm like, well, you, you weren't interested then. Um, <laughs> I can go through it and explain it to you, but you better be serious this time. So um, anyway, I, I, I say that in a little bit of jest. It does, sure. it does make me, we, you and I, we run into this all the time where there's the, the uncle or the cousin or the friend or the broker or whatever who knows everything. And so the client, what happens to that poor client is they close their mind off yeah. to these other things because they, they got a lot of trust in this other person. And I get that. But a lot of damage can be done. And, you know, FOMO is something to sort of joke at. But the fact is they have missed the boat in a lot of cases, and they're not going to be set properly for the next, yeah. you know, series of downdrafts. 
How else do you say it? I call that individual the brother-in-law. I always pick on the brother-in-law. Yeah, brother-in-law. That's uh, exactly. I currently only have one whom I love, but um, that's just my generic, just, you know. Then I call the uh, other guy the uh, silent partner that we all have and didn't invite into the endeavor, Uncle Guido. <laughs> you know, <out> <laughs> so, um, well, since then, um, since you, you know, uh, started and practicing purchase policies and put them in force. Um, now the Red Hawk, I mean, there's an insurance arm to Red Hawk. And so you're, you have, you have agents now you've created an agency. Yes. Um, and then, so they're able to, you know, take not only the infinite banking concept, but just straight properly structured life insurance, which, you know, kind of gets a bad name or, well, I don't want to say a bad name, but there are so many wonderful characteristics, in my opinion, when it comes to dividend-paying whole life insurance issued by a mutual company. You can't find that anywhere else. Um, and, and it really becomes, it should be part of everyone's financial plan, my opinion. And I'm not giving any investment advice or tax advice or legal advice. I'm sharing my opinions with my intelligent friend that uh, is very market oriented, very market oriented, but not to the point where his mind was closed and he couldn't or wouldn't consider anything that wasn't solely focused on a rate of return. Although you did say you used some terminology earlier, can't wait to get to the next report and see the increase, something along those lines. So, um, so you, and my point being the, and I love, I like the terminology that you use, some kind of a buffering structured, and it, and it could be life insurance. It could be other things too, but um, life insurance works very well. And I say this often to my clients that, you know, when you pay a premium to a life insurance company, they have to put that money to work. They've got to put the capital to work to meet their future obligations. The future obligations of a life insurance company is the death of their policyholders or when the uh, policyholder potentially gets mad and quits, and then there's a guaranteed uh, surrender value there. One or two are going to happen in the future. One or two of those things are going to happen in the future with certainty. We're all going to die. We're all going to graduate. And some of us get mad along the way and quit. And we leave with cash. So the life insurance company must put that capital to work to meet their future obligations. Pray tell where is the majority of that capital that the life in, a prudent life insurance company puts to work. Where do they put that capital to work? Bonds, government bonds, corporate bonds, high grade, different durations, um, small sliver of real estate, maybe some other very, very small. If you had a pie chart, it wouldn't even make a line um, in the pie chart. So bonds. Okay. We'll talk about a buffering strategy in a balanced portfolio. So if I'm a policyholder and I'm paying premium, aren't I indirectly putting capital to the bond market? Yes. And then aren't I buffered from the volatility of that bond market because the life insurance company is the buffer between me and the bond market? Absolutely. Man, we, we're not even getting above third. We're not talking about Cap-M, Black Shoals. We're not talking about <laughs> Harry Markowitz, Efficient Frontier. We're not talking about any of that, right? Yeah, nope. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's a beautiful thought if you just think that through. And it's like, oh, okay, it makes sense. Yeah. 
And then, you know, guys my age, and I mean, you're younger than me, but at, at our age, sometimes it's a hard time getting past the word life insurance. Sure. Yeah. It is. It is, because a lot of times it's positioned <clears throat> in such a way that, you know, it seems obvious to the the person that is being positioned in front of knows that there's an incentive by this representative to to get a policy sold. Uh, the the better idea is to show the possibilities with this and that, like you said, that's a big deal to me is if I'm going to, if I want protection, you, you only have a few ideas to consider and under the mattress is probably not a good one in, in the bank accounts, probably not a good one unless you want to watch your money smolder, like literally the ends of it will <laughs> smolder <laughs> um, at a higher and higher rate. Right. And so, uh, and then you say, okay, another choice is to go buy these instruments or these vehicles in the in the bond or the fixed income asset class. And that is true. But if you can get it this other way, like you're talking about, and you have the choice between the two, if you want to play in the bond market and the bond market takes a hit, which it does uh, as frequently as the stock market in a lot of cases, why wouldn't you just buy it this other way? And it's, it's like makes no sense not to. Or why wouldn't you have a little of both? Uh, that's the integration of these things is is to me the smartest thing we can do for clients. The proper integration of them, right? And the what what the problem is that a lot of clients are suffering from, and we dig it up and find it and correct it uh, when they come to us, is there's double dipping in the same asset class by buying directly into these bond markets, if you will, with no buffering at all anywhere else. It's like okay. The broker or whoever it is is just not, they just have no concern to take the extra time to properly, what I call, integrate these balanced asset class portfolios. And if you do that right, you can get a couple, and you learned this when we were in the options world uh, in the early days of Red Hawk. It was, we were talking a few more basis points every month. That's kind of the way we'd put it. And that's how the experts put it. You know, if I can get 50 more basis points in a month, just using an example, you know, does that add up? Well, add that up over the last eight or 10 years that I've been involved, you know, in this infinite banking thing alongside of my portfolios. And I can tell you, I have a super happy client in my wife, you know, who, who's seeing the math work before her very eyes. So uh, why would I not be an advocate of that? It's a little harder to set up. It takes more work. It takes more communications. It takes a more explanation to teach people what the value proposition is, but it's worth it. Like you said, I probably spend too much of my time running my mouth and talking to people. The reason is, is because they need a lot of this extra time and energy to make the right decision. Well, let me clarify. I didn't say you spend too much time running your mouth. I said you're too <laughs> gracious with your time. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, want his time. And, and he gives maybe, my opinion, I, he knows, I already told him, you know, too much access to some people, but it's true for all of us. Um, and I think it's lazy. The lazy is a word that came to mind earlier when the when the advisor won't take the time to do a proper integration. I call it a proper foundation, proper structure is my terminology, um, specifically when it comes to life insurance. But that's true for a whole financial plan, a retirement plan. You know, you live or die on one point or one asset, it's going to be brutal and ugly, my opinion, right? Um, but I think it's, I think it's lazy is the, I think the average or the, just say the financial professional financial market is 
generally lazy. Now, I'm not saying all of them, and I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but the canvas is quite large. Yeah. Um, so, but if you take the time, and then especially if, wait a minute, you did this, you did this before you took it to your clients. Wait, the same with when you started Red Hawk Wealth Advisors, you were doing that yourself. Yeah. Well, that's uh, uh, rare, in my opinion. So you do it first before you take it to your clients. Yes, I gives love me that. confidence. Gives me because um, I have to sleep at night, um, you know, <laughs> right. just like the client does. And if I give advice that I really wasn't sure of, mm, I don't. I just don't feel comfortable. That's just me personally. And you know, in that broad canvas of you know advisors who've really been taught by the machine, you know, the institutional machine, there are plenty of them who are rescuable. You know, if you just put the paint the picture in front of them, uh, they are more than willing to to relearn how to do this. Yeah. And those who have, and they're out there, I know they're listening, if they have taken the time to institute this strategy, this layered, structured, integrated strategy themselves, their confidence level is at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. And when they bring the next client into it, it's like, you know, it, it, it's not even close to the way they used to present their value proposition in terms of their level of confidence. And clients can see that. Yeah. You know, pretty simple. Yeah, I love that. So how how uh, can we, you know, how, how far do you want to go into, you know, your assets under management or agents or advisors? You want to talk about any of that with Red Hawk or what they do with um, their portfolios or you want to talk about any of that? Sure. I'm happy to, you know, while I'm here, uh, give you the kind of the 10,000 foot view of, of how we're, how we've approached the marketplace. Well, and let me say this too, and I don't mean to interrupt, ask you a question, then I'm going to interrupt you. I should be a better host. Right? <laughs> That's um, uh, you know, I'm sure I know that uh, financial professionals listen, right? I know that. And so my encouragement is if you think you want to be uh, or have a relationship with an RIA, then I would encourage you to reach out to Red Hawk and we'll make that uh, contact information available because um, I know they listen. Right? And then um, it, whomever you are, right, they'll vet you and they have a vetting process. They don't just, you know, everybody who wants to become affiliated with them is not going to become affiliated with them, which I greatly respect. Um, so I'm just saying if you have interest in contacting them, we'll make that available. Um, but I hope they have to talk to other people before they get to you. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, it's, it's no problem. I think the, the thing that I'd like the group to know, you know, folks who are listening is that we've developed a process over many years. We call it, we now call it the risk guard process. Um, and there's a big long explanation for why we call it that, but the 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 simple understanding needs to be that when a prospective client of any shape or size, we do not care if I mean, yeah, small clients, a lot of advisors uh, won't deal with them. We will because our our process is scalable, and and to me, I'm more interested in the number of people that we can help versus the assets that each of them bring to us. And I know that sounds counterproductive. But if we're able to handle those cases for our advisors where they can do what they do best, which is going out and forming the relationships and just bringing them to us and let us solve the problems. 
the relationship, those relationships are going amazing. So when, in a nutshell, what happens is an advisor will bring a, a client, a prospective client to us. We will, we have a series of tools that they use to analyze a certain thing. We are certain aspects of what the portfolio needs to be. Uh, if there's insurance involved, we do all that for the advisor. In fact, we present the whole case, the insurance part of it and the investment part of it as a as an integrated approach in front of each and every single client on behalf of the advisor. The advisor's in the room, of course, but we're doing all the, we lay it all out for them. Uh, and to me, that is a huge, it's been a huge differentiator. That's why we're extremely selective because we're really doing so much for, you know, for the advisor and the client. Uh, and there's a number of reasons we do it that way because we know for a fact we're doing it uh, uh, fiduciarily responsibly, let's say it that way. Uh, we know it's going to pass the muster. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's, it's a three-way win. The client wins because they don't have to go through a bunch of, a big, long sales process. There is no selling. It's, right. it's, it's like, I call the lead guy who does this, a lead strategist who manages that whole side of our business that presents the risk card. I call him Joe Friday. And for you younger <laughs> folks from Dragnet, he, he talks almost just like that. So it's just the facts, ma'am. Take it or leave it. Here are the facts. And, oh and most, Rick, I love it. <laughs> oh, he's <Friday>. awesome. <laughs> and, and most people, they, they get that sense. They're like, there's no desperation on this call or this, you know, we do a lot of zoom these days, obviously, but, um, the relationships are, are pretty solid after that. So now what we are, the reason we're a little, you know, picky is we need advisors who are really good at presenting those cases and are willing to sort of release some of the control over to us to handle the, you know, the solution and the ongoing deal for the advisor. And so um, for those who do get it, it's been, I mean, we've got billions under management. I don't want to say exactly how much, but we're, we're fiduciaries on um, uh, fiduciary investment fiduciaries on well over a billion in, in retirement plans to include 401ks and 403bs. We have captive insurance companies that we manage assets for. These are private insurance companies for business owners. Um, we have, like you said, we have the insurance side that's headed up by Elizabeth Inman, who came over from the postal service. She was a postmaster. And so we are heavy into helping folks from her industry, the federal employee industry, uh, save them from the things that she didn't know about when she was retiring in 2008. She's running that entire company for us now because, again, just like Joe Friday on the investment side, she's fiduciarily squared away. I trust her. I trust mm -hmm. where she's going to take those clients. And to me, trust is everything. And all I do is I go out and, you know, make the bigger vision uh, ideas happen uh, and let those two run the investment in the insurance side of the business. And you are you've been a great partner in that, too, because what you do, what you say to do, we we've integrated in our approach. Well, thank you. I, I, I makes sense to me. I, I don't want to, you know, what Joe Friday. I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have a field day with that. <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, he he does what he does. He does what he does very well, and I don't want to do what he does. You know, yeah. he does what he does very well. It's just like, you know, if I'm gonna if I need a mechanic, uh, I want a mechanic. I want a professional. I want an expert or whatever it is. I don't care what it is. Tax guy, an attorney, whatever you know, 
you know, we're going to go through probate. Okay. If we're going to talk about Medicaid, I'm going to, I'm going to elder law attorney. You know I mean? I'm so past a long, very long time past trying to be all things to all people. I can do anything, but I can't do everything. Right. And I'm okay with that. But, um, when it needs to be done, I want somebody that's fully able and capable and knowledgeable and experienced and no question trustworthy. If you don't get past the trust factor, you know, it's a, it's a dead deal, you know. Right. But um, I, I think that makes total sense to me. I mean, if I want to talk about federal employees, you know, retired postmaster, okay. Um, yeah, I'm good with that. If I want to talk about life insurance, oh, life insurance agent with uh, – Years and years and years of experience, it does it himself. Okay. If I want to talk to an investment advisor, an investment individual, an investment company, a registered investment advisory firm, I want to I want to talk to a firm that has experience, that they've done it. They've been the up and the down. They've been through they did it themselves prior to inviting or even getting into a position of having clients. I mean, yeah, that checks most all the boxes for me, you know, so I think that's very important. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I, I appreciate it and not to t put too fine a point on it, but for me, you know, I get, uh, you can tell whether I'm confident or not. <laughs> when I'm confident, there's no one who can survive in the room and they're going to be mine. All of them are going to be my clients when, <laughs> you know, when I'm super confident about something and, and, the, and the thing that builds the confidence is I've done it for my own little family. Yeah. And to me, you know, if, if there are advisors out there who are doing things like this, you know, congratulations to you. You're the, you're the fiduciaries that the, the world really needs in my view and uh, hats off to you. Right. Right. I, I had a, uh, I was on a podcast earlier and they have an office in Austin. Um, excuse me. And I'm like, thank goodness. Cause we can't handle all the business. I mean, we can't write, you know, <laughs> there needs to be more than one of us in Texas. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, any, anything, any uh, closing points that you want to wrap up or, you know, we've been going about 40 minutes. That's pretty good. Yeah, well, I'd like like you know, I can go all day and all night, but <laughs> I think I think the hopefully the the um, the vision has been presented where folks may some may say you know I've heard some of this stuff before, uh, you know we have a we have fun ways, really entertaining ways to get to know us a little better, you know, and see some of the things we're doing. We we like to walk the walk before we talk the talk, and so we're willing to present in sort of a. It, I call it a demonstration, but it, it's like, hey, if you're the advisor and there's a client sitting in the Zoom room or any room with you, we'll actually present to you just like we would a, a real live case. And that's how we start conversations with advisors. And generally speaking, they go pretty well because we are we give the secret sauce right up front in terms of how we do what we do. So um, anyway, I invite people to, you know, um, sign up to see one of those presentations and we'll do it live. You know, when I think of Red Hawk Wealth Advisors, um, just in the back of my mind, you know, I think actively managed, tactically managed, and strategically managed. Nothing about that is set it and forget it. Nothing. Right. right. You know, buy and hope or whatever they call it. <laughs> That's a, we used to call it buy and hope all the time. <laughs> That's what it is, right? It is. That's right. Uh, no, we, we believe in, even though the 
the risk side of the equation is to be participating in the market when it's doing well. Um, and the lo- in the long run, you're probably going to do okay if you've hit some serious bumps in the road. Hey, if we can avoid or reduce the size of that bump, we've seen mathematically since 2007 when we opened our do- began to open our doors as a nationally registered firm, um, what that means. For those clients who've been around that long, it's significant. And so, um, anyway, we're, yes, we've, we've been tactically and dynamically uh, managed since day one. And that's probably because that's the way I like to do it for me. That's why. <laughs> Works for me. All right. Well, thanks again, Dan, for coming and sharing your time. I appreciate he did not come down here to podcast. He came down to go through my files. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. Uh, I appreciate you. Thank you. You bet. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.